You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. Greetings, Mapleview Community Church. Welcome to our sermon cast series, Getting a Taste of Missions. Join us now as we hear from Reverend Jeff Futers, Executive Director of First Century Foundation Ministry. God bless you as you listen in. Well, good morning, Mapleview. It's great to be here. And uh, thank you, Pastor Jay, for your kind invitation for us to come and share about the ministry of First Century Foundations. Uh, Some of you may be familiar with our ministry already, but uh, for those of you who aren't, that was just a little message from some of our friends in the land of Israel. We partner with over 70 different ministries in the land of Israel and help them with special projects through humanitarian aid and practical encouragement, all kinds of support for those who are drug addicted, the prostitutes, those caught up in human trafficking. There are just so many areas of ministry that Uh, we are able to lean into and help and to support through churches like yours and through the generous gifts of of, uh, people all across this country and into the United States. And so we're thankful today to be here with you. And it's especially a privilege because this is our home church. Uh, My wife and I moved here to Barrie a couple of years back, and uh, we have been attending here whenever we are able. I want to just put that little caveat in there uh, because when it's possible, we are traveling, although we haven't been doing a whole lot of that in the last seven or eight months. Has anybody been doing any of that? No. I'm not allowed to mention the word, though. Uh, but but uh, it's great to be able to be here and to share with you today. I want to just uh, quickly uh, tell you that we do have a table at the back. If you feel comfortable enough to come back there, we promise we've taken every safety precaution possible. Uh, and uh, if you'd like to look at some of the material, there's a bunch of it back there. I'm just going to hold it up really quickly. I think we have a slide as well. Uh, we have some special, uh, some DVDs. We have my book, Praying for the Peace of Jerusalem. We'd encourage you to stop and and check that out. But one project that I'm very excited about is a brand new documentary series called Miraculous Victories of Israel. And if you have ever wondered uh, why it is that God shows up on behalf of the nation Israel, of Israel over and over and over again, uh, this documentary will help you to understand not only that the, the stories in the Bible are true, but that, uh, that God has uh, continued to do this throughout history right up until modern times. And so well, I want to talk to you today for uh, just the time we have left about the subject of prayer. Prayer, yes, prayer. Now, I know that you don't often hear about prayer at a mission service. By the way, is everybody, are you excited about missions? Wow. Somebody is. Give, yeah, give that one person back there a hand. And uh, this, this is amazing. I'm just, I'm excited about missions. And I want you to know something before I even start, okay? I want you to know that, that we are missions people, Uh, We're not just only concerned about Israel, although I'm passionate about what God has called us to do in the land of Israel. We support our own ministry. And uh, I know, you know, maybe sometimes people wonder, well, why do you do that? But uh, we do it because we believe in it. And we also support uh, missions here at Mapleview. I want you to know that personally, my wife and I, we lean into that here. And so, so we want you to do the same. As Pastor Jay challenges you over these weeks, uh, please, please give to missions because somebody gave so that you could hear. Did you know that? Somebody gave so that you could hear. Anyway, we're going to talk about prayer. Why prayer? Well, I want to get to a place. And and first of all, you know, I thought I was thinking about what are the things that we pray about? What are the things that you pray about? George Barna did a survey not all that long ago. By the way, how many of you here pray? 
Okay, good number. I, I'm happy to see that here in a church. This is good. Uh, George Barna did a survey, and he, he asked this question. What are the things that we most often pray about? What does the content of our prayers most often pertain to? And this first one, 62%, uh, is very fitting for today. It's gratitude and thanksgiving. I think that's a good thing, right? How many of you know that gratitude and thanksgiving should be our attitude all year long, not just one Sunday of the year? Does that sound good to you? Yeah, okay. But then let's look at the rest of this list. If you can't read it there, let me help you. The next one is the needs of my family and my community, 61%. The next one is personal guidance in crisis, 49%. Then my health and wellness, 47%. 43% confession and forgiveness, things I suddenly feel compelled or urged to pray about. And we get all the way down uh, near the bottom, and it says, uh, you know, specific requests from others, 34%. Concerns about the nation or government, about global problems and injustices, 20%. And I don't know if you notice a pattern there, but the pattern I see is this, is that other than that very first one, gratitude and thanksgiving, everything else on that list, a fair, a fair ways down, pertains to me and my. Did you notice that? And you know, sometimes it's really easy for us when we pray to get all sort of caught up and very inward focused about my needs, my wants, my challenges, my trials. But I believe that we need to find a way somehow to pray with some sort of balance today. Because if we want to see God move in our city, if we want to see him move in our country, in our nation, and in these parts of the world that we are believing God that, that can be reached, then we need to be praying according to God's agenda. That doesn't mean that God isn't for you. It doesn't mean that you should never pray for your own needs. Not at all. But it does mean that we need to pray and pay way more attention in prayer to God's desire to restore all of humanity to himself and to his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Folks, I think our prayers should be focused primarily on helping people find their way back to God. This is the, the heart and the passion of Jesus Go into all the world. And first and foremost, we should pray that way and maybe secondarily on ourselves, not the other way around. So, so what does this have to do with Israel? Well, I, I am glad you asked because a large part of God's agenda is his passion for the nation of Israel, along with his passion for the entire world. Don't get me wrong, go into all the world. But it says, you know, it says also, it says, you know, I want you to, to understand, you wait for the Holy Spirit. And, and it will go from here, from Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth is where the gospel is going to go. And, and the gospel wasn't, it wasn't caught there in the very beginning, was it? Not very well. And now it's time for us to pray and believe that God is going to bring the Jewish people back to himself. Why do I believe this? Well, I want to share a little bit with you uh, from Isaiah chapter 62. And uh, I'm not going to read the whole text this morning. I want you to open it up. I want you to follow along, okay? I ran into a little time trouble in the first service, so I'm going to try and behave a little better today. So Isaiah chapter 62, and here's what it says in verse 1. And we're going to pick up four very important things from this chapter, this prophetic word of Isaiah to the nation of Israel. First of all, God un indicates here his undying passion for Jerusalem and for Israel. He says in verse 1, For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. 
For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet until her vindication shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. Prophet Isaiah here is sharing the very words, the very heart of God. And God here is passionate about his people Israel. He says, I'm not going to remain quiet. I, I won't be silenced about this. Because from the beginning, God had called Israel his own people. It says in Deuteronomy 7 and verse 6, you are a people holy to the Lord your God. And the Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. God did this for one reason, one reason only. You know, lots of people wonder, why, why Israel? Why, why is it that God would choose this nation? And it says in Deuteronomy 7, the next two verses, 7 to 9, the Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you. And kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery and from, uh, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, and he is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. You see, Moses is clear here about God's motivation for choosing the people of Israel. It wasn't because of their great army. It wasn't because of their vast numbers. It wasn't because of their great spirituality because they were sinful, sinful people. It was because of God's love for them. And he chose to use them as, a, as an example of his love for the entire world, for all of us. I love this text because it also speaks here way back in Isaiah about God's love for you and for you and for me, it says that God has this covenant of love and he will keep his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. You see, through Jesus, through Yeshua, the Jewish Messiah, we have, as Gentiles have been grafted into Israel according to Romans chapter 11. But I want you to know that, that this does not mean for one moment that God's promises to Israel now have somehow been abandoned because of his love for the church. You know, Jesus came and the church was born and something happened. We, we sort of moved on, if you will, from many of the Jewish roots of our faith. But a lot of people will say, no, no, all these promises were for the, were for the future church. They weren't for Israel specifically. But I don't know. If God says something, I kind of believe that what he says is true. And so... Don't for one moment think that, that this is the case. This was never an either or situation. It was always both and. God loved the nation of Israel and through the nation of Israel, he brought the redeemer, he brought the Messiah, Yeshua, to all the world. So number one, God has this undying passion for Jerusalem and for Israel. The Bible says that he, he has set his name in Jerusalem forever. That's what it says. Secondly, God declares that Jerusalem will be restored and his people will return. Look at verses two through five of our text, Isaiah 62. It says, the nations will see your vindication and all kings your glory, and you will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. No longer will they call you deserted or name your land desolate. 
And then he goes on and talks about a new name that Israel is going to be given. You know, I... I uh, read, and you maybe have heard this story as well, Mark Twain, uh, the famous author, visited Israel in 1867, and he published his impressions on the country in, in a book called Innocence Abroad. And he described a barren country devoid of both vegetation and human population. This is just about 100 and, uh, what, 150 years ago that he was there. And here's what he says about his journey. He says, Israel is a desolate country whose soil is rich enough, but is given over wholly to weeds. It is a silent, mournful expanse, a desolation. We never saw a human being on the whole route, he says. Hardly a tree or shrub anywhere. Even the olive tree and the cactus, those fast friends of a worthless soil, had almost deserted the country. And I thought, you know, what does that mean, those fast friends of a worthless soil? Well, here's what that means. It means those things will grow anywhere. They'll, they'll grow anywhere. And Mark Twain is saying that even those, the cactus and the olive tree, were, were almost gone. Here's what's happening in Israel today. And I believe that this full res restoration that Isaiah talks about here in chapter 62 has been happening in the last hundred years or so. And it's happening now, and it's still going to continue to happen. You see, since the Jewish people began returning to the land early in the 20th century, the area has begun to change. The, the literal physical area has begun to change. It's amazing. Instead of the desolation left after hundreds of years of oppression and conquest, Israel now has become an agricultural wonder with olive and banana and citrus groves springing up out of the desert. Uh, they have developed a democratic system of government. They are one of the only Middle Eastern countries who protect and fight for the, the rights of their people, the human rights of their citizens. They have advanced health care. They have developed modern cities and our world leaders in inventions and new company startups. In the last, uh, however long the Nobel Prize has been given, I don't know how many years that is, but 23% of the Nobel Prize winners uh, in the last 100 years, let's say, have been Jewish, a people group that only makes up 0.2% of the entire world's population. There was actually just a, another uh, Jewish poet who won a, a Nobel Prize here just a week ago. And millions of Jewish people from around the world have returned to their homeland in the new nation of Israel in the last 70 years since 1948 when Israel declared herself a state, a nation. Folks, this is a miracle. It's happening right before our eyes. And it's the fulfillment of, of prophecy that is happening. God is passionate about Israel and Jerusalem. He's restoring the land. He's restoring the nation Verse 10 says, pass through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway and remove the stones, raise a banner for the nations. You know, the, the world looks at Israel and what do they see? You know, there's lots of, of media spin that will try to make it negative and try to make it, you know, all kinds of things that it's not. But what they see is a successful country who are doing uh, amazing things in the marketplace and amazing things in the world. There are now in the land of Israel super highways and tunnels being built. I know this because I've sat in the long construction lines for hours trying to get to an appointment that I, you know, that I have made. It, it's, it's incredible to see what is going on there. 
The new high-speed train from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem completed last year. A brand new airport in the south in, uh, in Elat. And if you like uh, resorts, go check out Elat. It's a beautiful place. Not now. Don't go now. Uh, but but uh, in a while, okay? Millions have come. Millions of the Jewish people from all over the world have returned. And millions more will come. And here's what's exciting. What's exciting is that you and I... We have a part to play in this restoration of the the nation of Israel. We have a part to play. Isaiah 62 and verse 7, God asks us to pray to this end. He says, I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent, day or night. You who call on the Lord. Remember when I asked you if you prayed at the beginning? There was a reason for that. Because Isaiah says... God through Isaiah says, you who call on the Lord, that's you, that's me. He says, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. Psalm 122, sorry, verses six through nine says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We've all heard this verse before. May those who love you be secure, and may there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. And for the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Folks, things are happening. Things are happening in Israel. And Isaiah's words are are beginning to to show signs of all of this, uh, his words coming to fruition, what's happening in the land there right now. Uh, The U.S. moved its embassy to Jerusalem a couple of years ago. And because of that, many other countries have followed. It's a sign to the world that Jerusalem is the eternal capital of the land of Israel. Uh, This just a few weeks ago, Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates and Israel got together. This, these are two Arab nations and a Jewish nation got together and they signed a peace agreement called the Abraham Accord. Okay, that's significant. The sons of, the sons of Abraham, Ishmael and, and Isaac, okay? And God is doing something. He's doing something. What does it all mean? I know you think I have the answers. I really don't. I really don't. But God is up to something today. And we look to Israel to understand what it is he's doing in the world. Folks, in the meantime, while we're figuring out what all this means and how the prophecies are being fulfilled and and what's going to happen, in the meantime, God says, I want you to pray. I want you to, to not rest. Don't you rest and don't give God any rest. God says, just keep them coming. Keep praying. Keep praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Because we can do this as believers. We can pray for Israel. We can pray for the peace of Jerusalem. How does that happen? Well, here's what I've found. I found most people know that that verse is in the Bible, but they don't really know why. And they don't know how. They don't know what it is they're supposed to do. I wrote a little book called Praying for the Peace of Jerusalem just to kind of outline what is God's heart for Israel? Why does he want us, why does he want us to pray for Israel? And then how can we do that effectively? And I'm going to tell you just before we're finished here in a moment. Here's the last thing that we pick up from Isaiah 62. God declares that Israel will accept Jesus, Yeshua, as their Messiah. That eventually the Jewish people will turn to Yeshua as their own Messiah. 
Verses 11 and 12, the Lord has made proclamation to the ends of the earth. Say to daughter Zion, see your savior come. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. They will be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you will be called, sought after, the city no longer deserted. Folks, it's going to happen. And we're believing together with ministries that are on the ground there in the land of Israel that it's going to happen. Paul says in Romans 11, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery. So that you may not be conceited, Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. Folks, we have seen and will continue to see God moving in the land of Israel. I want to tell you two quick stories before I'm done. First of all, I want to tell you about a, uh, an Ethiopian family, some of the Thalisha from Gandhar, Ethiopia. Husband's name is Baal. They came, they brought their family from uh, Ethiopia to Jerusalem, to Israel, to immigrate there. Life was really hard for them. Couldn't find work. You couldn't find a good job. Money was tight. It was scarce. And one day, uh, Baal went to the bank to get all of his money out of the bank so that he could buy clothing and, and uh, shoes for his children for the upcoming uh, Jewish holidays that were happening. He got on the bus and he was on his way home and somehow he, he lost all of his money. Every cent that he, that he had, it was either pickpocketed or he, he dropped it, misplaced it. And he got so down and so depressed, decided I'm not gonna go home. He went to a different stop and he was looking for a place to end his life. He was going to commit suicide. A lady from the local Jewish congregation saw him and saw that he was really sad looking and she just felt a nudge in her spirit to go and speak with him. And so she went and she said, she said, what's the matter? Can I, can I help you? They began to talk and he poured out his story to her. And, you know, she said, listen, can I, can I pray for you? They prayed together. He was encouraged. He decided not to end his life, made his way home. And this lady went back to her congregation, told them the story. And they decided that they would give all of the money that Baal had lost back to him, that they would provide that for him so that he could help his family. Long story short, that relationship blossomed until Baal and his wife and his entire family came to know Yeshua as their own personal savior, their own Jewish Messiah. Folks, God is moving. He is moving in the land of Israel. We would love for you to pray with us, pray for ministry leaders there. And if you can't, you know, if you don't feel like you have time to come to the table today, go to our website. You can sign up for our newsletter there. We publish prayer requests every, uh, every two months, fresh, new, current prayer requests so that you can pray for leaders. You can pray for ministries in the land of Israel. Folks, prayer makes all the difference. And God is changing lives. I want you to hear one more story from Patrick, and he's going to tell you himself. Thank you for your time today. God bless you. My name is Patrick. I uh, did Aliyah with my parents in 1976 from uh, a little bit traveling around the world. I was born in Holland, grew up in Australia, South Africa, a little bit of France, and then we did Aliyah. I hated Israel. I blamed Israel for everything that had ever happened in my life. And uh, I just wanted a new start went to Holland and in 1984 is the first time I tried heroin. It was just like putting a latex glove on. I knew at that moment, this is what I was looking for. It numbed everything and I didn't care about anything. 
until that uh, went on and on and in Europe I got into jails and into a lot of trouble but in 1990 they came back to Israel started working in my profession I'm uh, today I'm a sous chef very fast I got connected with very good cooks and they say who did you work with that's the type of cook you are and uh, I just picked up stuff so fast I got into the papers and on TV and people paid me what I what I asked I loved my profession I still do but I ended up on the streets of Tel Aviv in 2003 and uh, it was quite sad but uh, I got used to it people told me about Jesus there in the beginning it was people walking past me and saying hey, Jesus loves you but something happened even that that sentence would, would do something i didn't know who this Jesus was but it was these people had a smile from ear to ear and Jesus loves you just you know that eventually it was more hey would you like a cup of coffee or in the middle of the night they'd come and bring a blanket around put a blanket around me when we were shivering cold and but the people never told me about Yeshua they were always talking about Jesus and that didn't kind of fit with me because i had that Jesus picture of a blonde blue-eyed Jesus with that nice swedish nose that i like to say <laughs> and and in my mind i really you know sorry but i used to say wow you got to be kidding me you can't be bringing this norwegian god over here again and that's what i really used to think So uh, eventually I came uh, here to uh, the House of Victory. I saw people that I knew from the street that had changed. I didn't know them personally, but I knew them and you know, you it's, it's a quite a small community when you're on the street with junkies. Something had gone through these people that I figured I need that. Jesus has a Hebrew name. I had no idea about this. This is this is like a game changer for me. I I started using heroin in 1984 in Holland and never stopped until 2010. Here and there I had some, you know, a week off here, a week off there, but only when I met the Lord, when when I met Jesus through ministries like this, like Bethlehem is so important because there are so so there are not many of them in the land and and we need much more people to to come to to faith. and realize this this knowing the truth and the truth will set us free and that is the only thing that set me free is the truth knowing yeshua as the truth i wouldn't be here today if it wouldn't be for the lord and house of victory and mr eric benson we need more of 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 these godly programs which are the only way out and i thank you guys from the bottom of my heart i'm really choking up we need places to bring the truth because those that will know the truth will be set free the truth will set us free 831 is it praise the lord so yeah whatever the lord leads you guys to help if it's financially or even prayer or even just coming and visiting that is that is support as well whatever you guys do a million thank you very much is from Haifa Mount Carmel Bless the Lord. You know, I'm not sure where it happened. I I think I know why it happened. The Middle East uh is an important part of I feel like my DNA. Um I didn't don't know very much of the Middle East except for Israel, but maybe it's all the Bible and reading the Bible, but it's where the world began. It's where everything started. 
Literally, everything started right there. And obviously, the prophecy of the word of God becomes incredibly powerful. Prophecy, there is no other uh, world religion that has prophecy like what's found in the Bible. The prophecy of, you know, the nation of Israel coming to an end in 70 AD. And then the, the, the Isaiah's prophecy that it will become a nation again in 1948. It became a nation. It's unheard of. All of the different miraculous. So that prophecy impacts not only the globe that we're looking at, but it impacts individual people. Like individuals. This, this word is so powerful changes lives. It's not just so that, you know, embassies could be in Israel, but it's so that drug addicts can be, come to life. Addictions can be broken. It's all encompassing. That's why we want to be part of missions. That's why we want to, I want everybody to contribute, even a widow's mite, just something small, every child, because, because when you give to missions, something happens in your heart and in the world. Mm-hmm.